BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. deleting that <laughs> every time i try and be fun jc pushes me down awesome <laughs> every time i do something like slightly off color jc's like nope i'm deleting that oh my god i'll be I'm deleting editing that, that. editing portion of today <laughs> made no sense um hey guys we are back um ow i just hit my foot so hard awesome <laughs> <laughs> i'm starting over should i start over okay no Hey guys, we're back today. Do you for, think our we, listeners are getting sick of hearing us? Should we start over for the intro? You guys have accepted us by now, then you're never going to accept us, so. Leave. Ow, I did my again. <laughs> what? what? Uh, it looks like you kicked it. Oh my god, I kicked it. No, for attention. I'm <laughs> like, ow, it keeps hitting it. Anyway, so we have been, I'm in California. I'm back. Um, We have been... Doing absolutely nothing, honestly. Yeah. Here's the thing. Oh, we Jeez. almost just said here's the thing at the same time. Here's the thing. We always have these grand plans. We're like, okay, we're going to do, we're going to take all these pictures. We're going to get this done. We're going to record seven record episodes. Seven episodes. Like such big plans. And then when it comes down to it, whenever Chelsea comes to visit, we, no joke, lay on the couch all day and watch documentaries and eat yeah. ice cream. That's not, I mean, that's not true. We get stuff done, but it's so much harder. I don't even know what it is that happens that we just, even yesterday we were like, awesome, it's already 6 p.m. And we don't, we weren't even like laying around all day. We just like, we'll be looking at something or talking about something and it just gets. Well, yeah, we start talking about something and then we realize we've been talking for two hours. And we're like, okay, well now our day is kind of gone. But anyway, um, so we've been getting stuff done still, but we've also been just hanging out and catching up um yesterday we went went to the fair Casey and Leif took me as their child I feel like their child at the fair to the Orange County Fair and Chelsea was as we're driving to it she's watching YouTube videos of fair rides gone wrong yeah I was looking up fair rides gone wrong of these like things breaking apart because I'm just scared here's the thing I'm not scared of Disneyland or Six Flags because those roller coasters are pretty sturdy because they stay there they are built for that location but i'm always so weary of like fair rides and carnival rides because they can put them up and put them down and like 
a couple hours and it's just sketchy because like what if yeah. someone forgets to put a screw in you know what I mean yeah no it is scary but we watched people go on this ride multiple times I'm like see Chelsea it's fine so I know it, that just increases our on. odds of us being the ones that it breaks on <laughs> I'm scared true <laughs> but we went on and it was actually really fun yeah it we was really fun but I will say so I did a poll on my Instagram story because um we were at the when we were at the fair I posted a video of the ride we went on which I don't know what it's called but it spins you around and brings you up and down whatever mm-hmm. and this girl messaged me and said, um, my grandpa used to work at fairs or whatever and said that most of the people that put those together were drunk. (gasps) (laughs) Awesome. But I, she said that was a different, like that was a long time ago. So hopefully it's different now. So radical, but I knew it. We're good. Um, and then also there's a huge fire right now in California. There's actually two big fires going on right now. And one of them's actually pretty close to us. It's in Tribuco Canyon. And it's so sad. We could see the yeah. flames last night from um, where we live. And it was just It was so actually kind sad. of ironic because as we were walking out of the fair, we look and we can see over the mountain, like on the top of the mountain, you could see the flames. And then like... And the sky is so smoky too. Yeah. And it was like just so big and then you could see in the distance and then right ahead of it so closer to us was the fair so you just see like a bunch of ferris wheels and like rides and cotton candy and then it was like right behind it was like fire it was like it was just death looming over yeah it was so sad yeah, i mean it luckily was like, it was kind of beautiful in a way to see that contrast but also very sad it was super sad and um that particular fire i hope that i'm not being ignorant because i don't think i am but i don't think that anyone has lost homes from that specific fire yet. I think it's just in a canyon, mm. which doesn't make it. It's not that it's better, but... Better, but, yeah. Um, well, it is better, I guess, but it's still super sad. But hopefully no one loses their homes or mm-hmm. has to be I know evacuated. people were evacuated. Yeah, people but... have had to be evacuated. But anyway, hoping that they get under control soon because yeah. it's really sad. But anyway, after we went to the fair, then we, we went, went to Whole Foods. And so while we're driving to Whole Foods... We postmated, is that the correct word for? Yeah, postmated. We put an order on Postmates um, to get some food. And then, P.S., my Postmate delivery man was very, very sketchy. sketchy. Not really, but he sent me a message and was like, Hi, JC, smiley face. Um, Do you need anything else for your order? Smiley face, smiley face, smiley face. Like millions of emojis. It was scary. And then when he said he was picking up my order, he did like eight winky faces in one text but I think honestly he just was not from America and wasn't familiar with like exactly the keyboard and what was happening but he did love emojis um anyway so we ordered stuff and then I don't know how I like almost forgot that we ordered it but we went to Whole Foods because we wanted to get some ice cream and then we ended up getting a ton of snacks to like eat that night and watch a show and tons tons like it was an embarrassing amount like of money lot, that we spent yeah, on Yeah, <laughs> a lot of snacks. And then we came home and realized that... Or you had, spent, not me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, and then we came home and realized that we also ordered food. And we were like, what are we doing? So anyway, obviously we didn't eat all the snacks that night. But it was a good night. Yeah, we watched, it was. Um, what is it called? I Am a Murderer? I Am a Killer? Oh, I Am a Killer. On Netflix. About people, inmates on death row. We only got through one episode, then we were very tired. Yeah. It was really good. so interesting. Yeah. Anyway, we love true crime and like just stuff like that. Documentaries. Documentaries. I love it, except it also traumatizes me and I feel like I can't go anywhere or do anything because it like is very scary. But anyway. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
Okay, putting all that to the side, today we have two really awesome guests, uh, Natalie and Dave Swenson, and they shared with us their story about, well, basically they just showed shared with us their last year, their last year of their lives, which has been pretty crazy and eventful. Um, they've had some really hard trials that they've gone through, but they've created something awesome out of it. So um, they're super genuine, down to earth. Honestly, by just when we met them, you would have never guessed that such like horrific things have happened to them by their demeanor because they just seem so like positive and full of light and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So basically their year started off. Dave got let go from his job and they had to invest all they had into a different company and they were trying to get off that off the ground and Dave's brother went missing um, for three weeks. Just a few days after, I think they had like signed on to this new business where he was going to, Dave was going to have to be working a lot. Um, then a f- just a few days later, Dave's brother went missing and they searched for him for three weeks and unfortunately got the terrible news that he had passed away. And so they had a funeral for him. And then the next morning, and you'll hear this story. It's pretty yeah. wild. Um, the next morning, Natalie, Dave's wife, went into labor and had their second daughter. And it was just a crazy, crazy year for them. They just had a lot of things that were pushing against them. And it just kind of built up and how they've dealt with the darkness and grieving and different things that have come up and dealing with childhood traumas and all of that stuff. And they they do a really good job of storytelling and being super vulnerable and also very inspiring at the same time. What they've done actually is that is Dave wrote a children's book. The book is called Grow and it is so good. Um, they're going to read it on the podcast yeah. and it seriously is so good. It made us, cry. well, I don't know if it made you cry, but the first time he read it to us, yeah, I teared up. I like cried it, the first time and the second time. Yeah. It's so good. It has such a good meaning. Honestly, I love children's books. I'm not kidding. I, I said this before, but we went to some friend's house and, um, they have two kids and, the little boy asked me to read him a book and I was kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. And I started reading this book and I got hooked into it. And then he asked me to read another one and I was like so gung-ho about it. Like I actually think children's books are so fun, especially yeah. when they have cute little meanings. Anyway, this book is in honor of his brother. Um, it's and kind of a story of, they'll go into it a lot, but it's the story of them as well. Yeah. Just the, what they've gone through and their hard times and kind of finding the good and finding ways to grow. Yeah. So they have a Kickstarter right now, which they are trying to meet their goal by the end of August. So they'll explain what Kickstarter is, but we'll put a link to it on our Instagram if you guys want to donate to it. You guys will get a book. Um, I would highly recommend it for anyone that's a mom, a parent, or even if you want to give it as a present yeah. to someone that you know that has a kid. Like I really think that give this it book, to your teachers. Yeah. I think that this book is so great and they've just done such a good job at putting it all together, first of all, and just making it happen through this and time. And especially after you hear their story and how like touching it is and after you hear them, you just fall in love with both of them. It just makes you love the book and the story even more. So go to their Kickstarter. We'll leave a link on our Instagram, like I said, so you guys will be able to check it out. If you can donate, donate. That would mean the world to us, and I know it would mean the world to them. If you can't financially um, contribute, 
share it on your story if you feel inclined or share it on your Facebook, tell your friends to share it. Yeah, if um, it resonates with you in any way, this episode or just their story in general, just make sure and tag them and help them out. That'd be awesome. So without further ado, here we go. Let's get into it. Okay, so here are our guests today. We have Dave and Natalie Swenson. Do you guys just want to introduce yourselves really quick for the listeners at home? Yeah, yeah, yeah I would love to. Do you yeah. want to go ahead, Natalie? Yeah, I will go ahead. So <laughs> I'm Natalie. This is my husband, Dave, and we live in good old Pleasant Grove, Utah. Wait, uh, where is Pleasant Grove? It's about 40 minutes south of Salt Lake City. Yeah, we're like 10 minutes from two different canyons, from American Fork Canyon and Provo Canyon. That's so, so fun. Yeah, I never, we love it. I never know where anywhere is in Utah when people are like, I'm from whatever, American Fork. I'm like, not a clue. Why do I not <laughs> yeah. know where any... But so I you know, you know where like the point of the mountain is, where uh, when you're going on the freeway and there's like Thanksgiving Point. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I know where that is. So that basically that whole area all the way back to the mountains, that's American Fork, Pleasant Grove. Okay. If you ever hear those types of Lehigh, that kind of name, yeah, so mesh that's, together. That's all. Of that yeah. Area. Okay. Yeah. Cool. cool. Good little geography lesson. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But we love the outdoors. Um, we got two little girls. Um, they're exactly two years apart and we love taking them in the mountains, hiking with them. It's some of our favorite things to do with them. Wait, how old are they again? We've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old now. That is so Um, fun. Yeah, Yeah. that is fun. And we saw photos of them and they're so So cute. cute and chunky. (laughs) And chunky and squishy. We love the chunk. We have the squishiest babies. (laughs) They're so cute. Yeah, I I work in in sales. I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, But other than that, we really... Really what our passion is, is to travel and to experience and to just, you know, write and express ourselves and, um, and we have a lot of fun doing it. It, uh, and, and we've been able to do it way more and that kind of goes in, we'll get more into that in the story where we went from someday we're going to be able to do this to no, we're going to start doing this right now. Like yeah. not, no more waiting. That's awesome. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then me being a at home mom, I just have a little activewear shop and Oh, cool. I can do nice. that at home. She says little activewear shop. They sold half a million <gasps> oh my in, God. in product last, so in cool. last month, awesome. in one did. month. Yeah. So, That's yeah. amazing. Wait, what's the, what is it called? Um, so Zaya Active. I feel like it's, I've seen that maybe. Mm-hmm. It's high quality premium activewear. So it's going to be clothes very comparable to like Lululemon or okay. Athleta, okay, but cool. it's like a way that you can do it from home. Yeah. yeah. Be a home mom. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. So she always says little, but I always have to correct her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty big. She's doing awesome. That's, awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. So are are you guys both like, would you say left brain creatives or like one of you is more logical, one of you is more on the creative side? I'd say we're both pretty creative. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then we're big on taking risks. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> awesome. it hurts us. Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I think we're both, I think we express our like creative pursuits differently. Um, I grew up, my mom's an artist, and so I grew up, like, around painting and around drawing, and um, and Natalie does a lot with, you know, photos, and I don't know, we just express our... Creativity differently. Creativity mm-hmm. differently, We used yeah. to both really be into music. That's actually how we met, was at an open mic. And yeah. So, oh, yeah, that's we cool. Wait, do you guys both sing? That's so Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. Wait, where yeah. was the open mic at? Was that at the Valor? <laughs> no, it oh. was uh, our friends just put it on. And oh, fun! Yeah, we we're both there. Yeah, that was actually the first time. First time we met was right after she perpo- she performed. I was, I was say, there. She proposed to me. Yeah, she proposed <laughs> to me immediately. 
No, we shall be I'm married by morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I still remember I was in the other room, and uh, and I heard this girl start singing about over by the stage, and I was like, Ah, what is that? And so, uh, it's pretty cool because we actually have photos from that night. That's so. So fun. we have photos like together on the first night that we met, which is kind oh, of fun. that's that's yeah. really cool. So wait, how old were you guys when you met? I was twenty two. Mm-hmm. And I was 20. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then how soon did you guys get married? It was like... What, nine months? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Okay. From and the time you met? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's oh, about yeah. how it was for Leif and I, I think, around that time. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And now and you know. Yeah. yeah that, well, I had never dated a girl longer in three weeks before that. You're so, kidding me. Yeah. Really? yeah I always so broke funny. stuff off after three weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And then, wait, how soon after um, you guys got married did you have your first... It was three years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So were you still 22 and you were 20 when you got married? Or mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I was almost 21. Cool. Nice. That's how I was. I turned 21 two days after my wedding, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. I think it was really yeah. close, yeah. Um, okay, so if you guys just want to kind of hop right into your story and what you wanted to share, um, I don't know if you know exactly where you want to start because I feel like there's so much, but um, just kind of yeah. people, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we can definitely do that. So, um, 2017 was a extremely crazy year for us. Uh, we, you know, it started out the year I ended up getting fired. I'd never been fired before in my life. Uh, that was a, that was an interesting experience. That was at the beginning of 2017? Very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. We had Very just beginning. found out that we were expecting our second, yeah. which we were trying for like a half year. I, my first pregnancy was a summer pregnancy and I was like, I do not want a summer pregnancy again. It's so hot. I want a spring baby. Right. (laughs) And, but then we, beginning of the year, you know, found out we were expecting and he got fired while I'm pregnant. So it's like stressful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Extra stress. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that was anyway, and we'll kind of get into that, but I've, I've done a few of those drives like of like businesses that have failed and it's like that drive home. You're just like, okay. We'll figure it out, I guess, you know. Um, but uh, and so that's kind of how we started out the year. But then we ended up finding another opportunity that was great, and we were we were just working that right. I was working for a solar company at the time. I was helping them with, you know, uh, their sales training and and doing some different things, and and then they offered me uh, a different position within the company where I would no longer have a salary; it would be all based on profits. And it was great. Like at the time we were super profitable. So it was like made, totally made sense. And like we said, we were risk takers. We're like, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. let's give it a shot, you know. And, um, and so we did that. And then four days after we did it, I, everything was signed. Everything was done. Um, and now it's like, hey, I've got to be working a lot for the next three months to make sure that, you know, we can have a paycheck. And four days after that, uh, we got a call, phone call. Uh, we had just taken my mom out to dinner that night. And, because uh, his family was all on a river rafting trip. Yeah. The Swinsons, they love rivers and, you know, the mountains. And uh, everybody went on this river rafting trip. And Dave didn't go because we just started this new venture with this business. And he's like, I just got to work. And so he didn't go. But his whole family was um, on it. So no cell phone service. But his mom was home. Yeah. So that's why we took her to dinner that night. Yeah, because she was yeah she was home alone. So we're like, hey, well, let's take her out to dinner. And 
So I get a phone call at about, it was like 9.15, and my mom's like, hey, uh, your brother, my, I had one brother who bailed that m- the day of. He's like, hey, I can't go. On the trip? Um, on the trip, okay. on the river rafting trip. So he was still home. And my, mo- my mother calls me, and she's like, hey, uh, your brother hasn't come home. We don't really know where he's at. Uh, would you mind running up to a cabin? We have a cabin, and and uh, and it's outside of cell phone service as well. And I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll go check, you know, go and see if he's there. Um, and I start driving up the canyon, and I'm like, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, check in, you know. And, um, and all of us, I mean, we had grown up camping, uh, and, I mean, I've gone camping alone quite a few times, and, so I was just thinking, I'm like, he just didn't check in and he went off somewhere, you know? So I'm driving all the way up the canyon and it's dark and it's kind of funny how those like little kid fears start like rising up again, you know? But I get through, I get to the cabin and all the lights are off and I go in and I check and he's not there. So I'm like, okay, well, and so I get in my car and I start driving back. And right before I'm about to get to cell phone service, I just feel like I'm like, I should just go spend the night with my mom and make sure she's okay because she's all alone and she's worried about my brother. I'll just go up there with her. So I come out of the canyon, I call her right away and I'm like, hey, have you heard from my brother yet? And she's like, no, we haven't heard anything. I'm like, okay, I'm going to come spend the night with you. She's like, okay. So we get up there, we still haven't heard anything and it's getting late now. Now it's, you know, close to midnight and we still haven't heard anything Um, and then that morning they find his car without him in it and it's in a really sketchy place. The next morning. The next morning. Well, yeah, it was about like three in the morning is when they found it. So, um, and it's like, okay, uh, where is he? You know? And so we didn't get to go to the car. It was just, just didn't work out that way. Didn't, we didn't go to where the car was parked. They had moved the car by the time we got there, but we knew exactly where it was at. So, um, I drove up, I kept my mom in the car and this is like, this is like the kind of, I mean, I've been in some like sketchy places. This is, this was like, you could feel it. You know, there was a lot of like meth houses and there's a bunch of meth heads around and it's like, okay, uh, we'll see how this goes. And, um, I start knocking on doors and saying, Hey, have you seen this guy? I have a picture of my brother. And I'm like, Hey, have you seen him around? Is he your older brother? Older or brother. Under- okay. He's just older than me. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so we start looking for him and by the end of the day, it's, it's getting kind of intense. I mean, we have hundreds of people showing up and looking for him. Well, his whole family is still out of town, so they don't and, know. Yeah. And we're like, how do we you know, get a hold of them. And, um, luckily they had this phone that's like for emergencies. Um, but they don't turn it on until night. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of like come home emergency. And so they like booked it home. So it's like, it was just his mom and Dave oh, and like, you know, in the very beginning and, and then that just launched us into a few weeks of craziness. Yeah. So, um, was the river rafting trip in Utah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was in southern Utah. I was on the Cataract Canyon okay. area. And uh, yeah, so there's no cell phone service at all out there. It's the middle of nowhere. So uh, they finally got the text. They they actually rafted through the night with lights on the front of the raft, uh, and which can be kind of scary to do. Yeah, it sounds mm-hmm. very adventurous. Um, but we're, I mean, we've rafted this river dozens of times, so we knew it really well. And 
they ended up getting out and then drove home and they were there the next morning. But that really started the next three weeks was, it was a really intense time. I, uh, I mean, I would go for three days at a time without sleeping and then I would get home and I would crash for 12 hours. Then we'd go for three days again. And, and of course, like I wasn't even thinking about business or anything else besides finding my brother. Cause like, what do you do in that situation? You just don't stop. You just, yeah. you just keep searching for, it's just like, it's the craziest feeling. You yeah. know? And everything else kind of loses its meaning, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's family does come first ultimately. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And, and so really the next three weeks was hell for us. I mean, it was, it was extremely intense and it was an interesting thing with um, Carl Jung. I've actually studied a lot on psychology after going through this experience, but Carl Jung talks about facing like the dark side of yourself, the shadow self is what he calls it. And I remember facing that for the first time. Like I would, I would get home and look in the mirror and I'd been awake for 72 hours and you start to, you start to feel a little crazy. And it was like, I would have done at one point, like I would have done anything. I all of a sudden like understood. I'm like, Oh, like you, I would do anything to bring my brother home. And, uh, and so that was just, I mean, it was a really, really intense experience. And, and we also felt so much love from people, like thousands of people came and we gave out flyers and, and, uh, and we, you know, we did everything we possibly could. We had like this um, search hub and people would just come and like just seeing that community of people trying to help us. And I'm nine months pregnant at the time and it's so hot and I'm doing all that I can, but I'm like swelling up like a whale. Like I did not have ankles. (laughs) It's so swollen, but it's like, you just keep going, you know? And yeah, a lot of people showed up for us. Yeah. And, and we even hired some private investigators. My parents did. And I remember at the end of it, they, uh, they, they said, you know, if I ever go missing, please send your sons after me. They're like, I've never seen people show up and do what they've been doing to try to find him. And, um, and then, you know, after two and a half weeks, we got the terrible news. I still remember that night we were, um, we were at my parents' house just like visiting and, uh, you know, we had, we had stopped the search by that point. We were like two and a half weeks in and we weren't getting anything. And so, you know, in terms of like the, the official search, we didn't have like a search, like we had a trailer and everything, but we, we'd taken down the trailer and all of that. And, and I still remember like somebody texted me, they're like, please tell me that's not my brother. You know, please, please tell me that's not him. And they sent me a link and I was like, of course it's not, you know, of course it's not. And then we, we get home that night and my dad calls me really late and he said, Hey, I just got a call from the police department. It's him. You want to come up to the house? I was like, yeah. And Natalie instantly stops, starts like bawling. <laughs> and I go into shock. Like I, I can't feel anything. I'll never, never forget that phone call. Yeah. When your dad called you. I think one of the hardest things as a spouse is um, seeing those you love the most hurting. You just wish so bad that you could take that pain away. And I just broke down. And Dave, he, it takes him a little bit to process things and he's just in shock, you know. And I just hug him. That's all you can do. We all... 
went to his parents' house and, I don't know, we just had never experienced something like that. And it was just silent. And everyone's just hugging each other. Yeah. And I feel like I had, I still hadn't processed anything yet. And so we were there with my family and I was kind of feeling it, but I just, it, you know, you just put up a wall immediately. And, uh, and I still remember we got home that night and it was like a punch in the, like, it literally felt like a physical hit to my chest. And I like sat up in bed and it was almost like I was, you know, like, like when you vomit, right. And you're just like, like your body goes rigid and you just like, it just like, especially when you're really sick, right. And it's terrible. That's what it felt like. That's how I felt like I was like crying. Like it was just all of a sudden I sat up and it was just, it was just hard. Like um, almost like violent. I know yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just, and I, I couldn't stop. And that's, um, I mean, up to that point we still hadn't slept, you know, we had slept only a couple hours in a few weeks and and then over the next couple of days, you know, they asked me, they're like, hey, will you speak at the we funeral? We had to plan and- the funeral. And where things have been so stressful, I was thinking like I was going to preterm labor a lot. Like I kept getting a lot of contractions and we're like, oh, we can't have a baby right now. And then especially now that we're planning the funeral, I'm like, hey, this baby has to stay in. Like we can't have another thing right now. They need to focus on the funeral and, you know, get that closure and focus. <laughs> I'm just like praying, like, please, we need to focus on this. And the contraction stopped. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and so then I didn't even write my talk at his funeral. I couldn't write it. I kept trying to write it and ended up being six words long. Like I wrote six words out and that was it. And, uh, and then I just prayed and I said, Hey, like, I'm going to keep myself open as much as I can. And whatever stories you want to tell, just have them come out and I'm ready. And that's, that's it. That's, that's what I did to prepare my talk and it ended up okay. It ended it up good. Beautiful. So, um, and it was just this, uh, and I couldn't believe how many people showed up. I mean, we had, we filled an entire, um, like a huge room plus all the halls were filled. And I still remember like when I stood up, I was shocked. Well, he was such a great guy. You know, he impacted so many people. And he just loved people. He saw people, you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't like, there's a lot of times where you'll meet people that are nice, but you can tell they have like ulterior motives and you never felt that around my brother. You always just felt like he cared about the one as much as the many. And, um, and I think that was evidence with how many people showed up and, and how many people not only showed up to the funeral, but showed up to search for him. Um, so we get through that day and that was a hard day. It was, uh, it was just a really hard day and we get home and it's like, okay, we can sleep. We get on the couch and I'm like, Hey, Dave has not slept. I mean, no one has, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, I hope he can finally get a good night's rest and process things. You know, finally we can just get some closure and we go to bed that night and I wake up to some contractions and I'm like okay you know I'm trying to relax through them sleep but they start getting more intense so I'm like hey I just need to get up and walk around and with my thir- first daughter I I didn't go into labor I 
was induced because my water had started leaking or whatever. So I didn't know what it was like to go into labor. But I hear these stories. I've read so many blogs, (laughs) all these birth stories and how how to know if you're in labor. But they tell you like you have to have contractions for like you have to time them for an hour and they have to be so far apart or whatever. And because I don't want to be sent home from the hospital. Oh yeah, time the minutes and stuff. Yeah, and it's expensive to go. And they're like, never mind, go home, like false labor or whatever. And I was still two weeks out from my due date. And so, um, I just started pacing the, <laughs> our living room. And I remember reading some other people's like birth stories and they're like, sit on a yoga ball and you get in the tub and like, it'll help pass the contractions. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like sitting on the yoga ball. And, um, what time was this in the middle of the night? Yep. Okay. Middle of the night. And and then they just started getting more intense. And our little two-year-old is, you know, asleep. My husband's asleep. And I'm like, he needs sleep. And finally, I just prayed. I'm like, I need to know if I'm in labor or not because <laughs> this is getting intense. And I started filling up the tub thinking I can take a bath. And then um, my contractions started to, like, be 30 seconds apart. Like, I can't. Oh, st- my I'm, like, gosh. I'm starting to not be able to breathe through them. And so I just get the feeling, like, you need to wake up, Dave. And I'm like, okay. So I go over, um, and this is at 3.20 a.m. And I wake him up, and I'm like so nervous for him. Like I like try and wake him up so quietly and like gently. I'm like, I like poke, like Meanwhile, tap you're in him. Labor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like tap him. I'm like, hey. And he like wakes up like kind of confused. And I'm like, I don't know, but like maybe I might be in labor. But I'm like, I don't know. Trying to like be nonchalant about yeah. it. Not stress and, them out immediately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and let me just say, like, Natalie has an extremely high pain tolerance. And so when she wakes me up, like, as soon as the fog leaves, you know, I first, like, wake up and it's like, yeah. like, it feels like I'm, like, coming out of the water. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, out of that deep sleep. And I'm trying to understand what she's saying. And then as soon as she's like, I think I might be in labor, I'm like, we have to go to the hospital. Well, then like, if she's complaining, we have to <laughs> yeah, go right now. Serious. Well, it's then that, like, the pain started, like, or I like, can't walk through them now. And we're like, what do we do? Our little two-year-old is asleep. I don't know. And it's middle of the night. And- do we wake her up? Do we put her in the car with us as we run over to the hospital? <laughs> so Dave just runs out in the street. It's, you know, the middle of the night and like a crazy person. And luckily our neighbor's lights were on by some miracle. And he just goes and starts pounding on their door. <laughs> Probably gave him a heart attack. They were like watching Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> They'd been and watching one too many episodes. Yeah. Our good neighbor opens the door. Probably like, what? And he's like, hi. And Dave's like, dude, we're having a baby. Can you come over while my brother-in-law's on his way? Because we called my brother, but he lives like 20, 20 minutes. minutes away. Yeah. But oh we just gosh. knew we had to go right then. And so he's like, yeah. And so luckily I had my hospital bag packed. And we just like get in the car, start driving away before he's even in our house. And we just like zoom, no like traffic laws or anything. Like luckily there was no traffic and no cops. We ran a few red oh lights. <laughs> and luckily we don't live like super far from the hospital. But we're just like rushing there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't know what's going on. This is crazy. And we get to the hospital, like, don't even park. We just... I just pulled up on the curb. <laughs> oh <my laughs> and we're just, like, literally a movie. Waddling. Yeah. And yeah. it's, like, quiet in the hospital. And there's just, like, this security guard at the desk, like, so calm. And we come in and we're like, she's having a baby. What do we do? <laughs> and and he's like, oh, there's, like, a, a wheelchair over there. Like, not helpful at all. And we're like, 
<laughs> and then like we go over and get the wheelchair and it's this dumb wheelchair where you have to like clamp the I don't know. Yeah, you have to handle? clamp there's like yeah, there's a handle on the back of it that you have to push forward in order for the wheelchair to move. So if you let go of the handle, the wheelchair stops moving. Oh. So we go to the <laughs> elevator and go up to labor and delivery and we go to that room or that level and then you have to like buzz in. And <laughs> so we call in and they're just like Hi, welcome to labor and delivery. How can we help you? And we're just like, we're having a baby. Let us in. And yeah. So they buzz open the door and it's this big, heavy door. And so Dave's trying to open the door while clamping the handle and push me in. But he can't do that. And I'm like. It's too far away. Like the oh, wheelchair is too long. So like I can't keep the door open <laughs> and push her through. So I'm time. like, I just get up and start running down the hall. <laughs> I can picture this, this yeah. huge belly yeah. and the nurse just meets me and she's like what's your name who's your doctor and I'm like I don't know and <laughs> this is like TMI but we go in the room and um so I have to check you just your dilation yeah. to see how far along you are and if you're a 10 like it's time to go and so she's like I need to check you see how far you are so I just like, rip down my pants and and she checks me and she's like the baby's coming right now <gasps> And I'm like, like, he's crowning. And (laughs) so I like sit on the bed and Dave comes in. Yeah. So I was trying to check us in. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm at the front desk, like secretary lady. And she's like, Hey, who's your doctor? And I'm trying to think. And like my brain's like just, just mush. And then I hear her scream and I just look at her. I'm like, can this wait? (laughs) She's like, yeah. I like run and I'm trying to like call her parents or cause her parent, her parents weren't there for Evelyn. Her mom wasn't, so I was like trying to call her to be like, "Hey, like her." <laughs> so we had it all planned in our head, like who's mm-hmm. gonna be there? But it was just like going so fast. And anyway, I get to the bed, and and she's like, "The baby's coming right now." And I'm like, "What about the meds? Give me," because I wasn't planning on a natural yeah. birth. Like I wasn't mentally prepared for it. And you had she, an epidural with your first. Yep. Yeah. And and then she just looks at me. She's like, "I promise, we'll give you some after." And I'm like, <gasps> like, I, I started freaking out. Like, You're can like, I oh, do no, this? <laughs> like, can I? Do? So I was like scared, but your body, like, there's no turning back. Like mm-hmm. your body just takes over. And wait, really fast. Were you guys both like your thoughts? What were they at that moment? Were they not even processing anything? Were they like positive, negative, like, or was it just not even thinking? It was just like focusing on what exactly was ahead of us. We couldn't think of anything else. Yeah, you can't like it. At least this was the experience while like looking for my brother and some of the things that we ran into. And then this experience here, like you just do mm-hmm. like all emotions, like critical thinking is gone. It's just, okay, what do we do in this situation mm-hmm. and what do I need to do? And so we have just the nurse and me. There's no other doctors. There's nobody else no te- there. I'm not hooked up the to secretary anything. actually who has like no... She, like, came in to, like, try to, like, hey, you need a rag or, you know, like. She's <laughs> no like, medical experience. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what can I do? It's yeah. like her first day on the yeah. job. Yeah. So it was just the nurse and Dave. And yeah. four minutes later, she, our little precious baby girl was in our arms. And so time frame, I woke him up at 3.20. She was in our arms at 3.37. 17 minutes. <laughs> since I woke him up. Yeah. Like, if anything oh. would have been different, we would have had her at home, in the car, or in the elevator, in the lobby, yeah. in the lobby, like she just all of a sudden was in her arms. And oh my! Yeah, I gosh. still remember I was like holding her, and we were just sitting there like trying to process what just happened. And um, and then Natalie's like, ah, 
and and the nurse is like sitting there like oh <laughs> you know like that was intense and Natalie's like hey how much does she weigh and the nurse is like oh yeah we got a lot of other things we need to do she was fine she wasn't crying I she was did. just like looking up at us and well that moment was so it was like chaotic and then she was in her arms and then there was like silence like it was just the three of us this us and the nurse and our little girl and she didn't even come out crying like at first I was like is she okay yeah I can't hear her but they're like she's just fine like she came out so peaceful and it was such a contrast to all the chaos that she was in our arms and they're with us and then when they put her on my chest like that bonding moment like it's the one of the best moments of motherhood I mean I'd probably give you nightmares <laughs> but like <laughs> it's so worth it and it's one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had. And I really think, you know, we're pretty religious and spiritual people, but that our loved ones are close and that his brother, you know, sent her to us. And it was a moment of peace with that night before the sun setting, we laid his brother to rest. And then that morning with the sun rising, we welcomed our baby girl into the world. And there was something really powerful that hit us that morning is we named our daughter. We we were like, we're crazy about names. We do it like we already named all of our children. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. we've done it well, well in advance. And her name was Olivia. And Olivia Sage. Olivia Sage. And we her nickname, which we had chosen as well, would be Liv. And so the day before we faced death, and in the morning, we faced life. And it was, you know, and we just thought about that, like holding her and just thinking, we need to live. We need to be here. And um, and there was a couple other things that happened that were really powerful. I mean, we, there was like a rainbow that morning. Like we were looking out and there's a rainbow and it's like, you've got to be kidding me. Like this is just that. Uh, that contrast. Yeah, that contrast of when you face the darkness, the light comes. And it in the middle of the dark, you can't see, right? Like you can't see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then all of a sudden it'll burst upon you and you'll you'll just it yeah. And that's that's what that experience was for us. Yeah, it was yeah, remarkable. Just that light, that that gift. She's truly been such a little light in our family and that was a blissful time. Yeah. And then you know? So you already had the name Olivia picked out like a long time ago mm -hmm. and then it just so happened. That's really cool. And then we also found out, um, so we just liked the middle name Sage, but it actually means healer. Oh, so that's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Very inspired people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything they've said so far, I'm like, <laughs> when it all connects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. And so it was, that was just such a, it just gave us like this little pocket of just happiness you know, yeah. uh, for a brief moment. And, and then of course I've, I've ignored my business now for a month and a half. Yeah. At that um, point, yeah. Yeah. And so I was, this was on Saturday and I was back to work on Monday. Like I was like, I have to go save like this. try to save this thing so we can get a paycheck because we mm -hmm. haven't been paid now, you know, and I have a baby now. Yeah. And we have a baby and we have all of these things we have to pay for. So, uh, we get back, I get back to work. Uh, and I was working, I, I, I was over, I owned an office that was down in Texas. And so I was flying down there. And so over the next, 
really over the next two months, I was only home on the weekends. I would just fly down and I was trying to work. Um, and this was actually the first time I'd ever had panic attacks in my life. Like I'd be driving to work and like my heart would start pounding. I'd have to pull over and like try to relax. And I felt like I was having a heart attack and it's just it, processing difficult things that you go through. It takes a long time. Like this doesn't happen all the time. Uh, but you get this feeling sometimes where if you're talking about the trial that you went through, Sometimes those who are around you, if they're not really close, they're just like, dude, just stop talking about it, okay? Like, I don't want to hear about it anymore. And maybe that's just the environment I was in, but that was, like, the feeling that I kept getting, so I would just, like, suppress it, and I wouldn't talk um, about, like, everything that we'd gone through. Well, it's, like, kind of like a country song. Like, <laughs> everything just started to go wrong. Like, yeah. Wait, is this real life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So. When you say that was the environment, you mean mm -hmm. at work? or At work, okay. yeah. Just at work. Uh, not necessarily like our personal lives, but just at work. And so then I was out and I was working and, um, and I'd been talking to somebody who had been through abuse. And it was the most random conversation. At work? Uh, yeah, when I was down in Texas. Oh, okay. And we, we were talking about abuse. And they were describing like some of the attributes of someone who's been abused and things that like the way they, they react, especially within a marriage. And while they were talking, I didn't say anything, but I was like, those kind of sound familiar. You know, uh, I've experienced someone like it just, it started to click for me for mm -hmm. the first time. Um, cause when you're married, especially like you just don't know, I, I never, I never lived with someone before. I, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I, I, I hadn't experienced that before. So you just assume it's reality, right? And so all these things start clicking. And this was two weeks after our daughter was born. And I get home. And in the morning, the next morning, I just asked Natalie. I'm like, hey, what happened? And you need to tell me everything. Like, what happened when you were a little kid? And you need to tell me everything. Well, because when we got married, he knew something had happened. But, like, I had never opened up in my life. I'm like, oh, that was a long time ago. Whatever, I'm fine. Um, I don't know. You just don't talk about any type of abuse that happened. I don't know. It's just the way I grew up, like, brushing under the rug. doesn't matter. And I was just never confronted. But um, I was sexually abused as a child. And he, you know, confronted me about it. I mean, very lovingly. And like, we were able to f open up. And, like, I had never been in a place to open up. And for some reason, I was able to open up. And it was weird because when you go through traumatic events like that, especially as a child, like you almost, you, you know, try and forget about it or it's, it's hard to remember. And it affects you in ways that like are subconscious. And I didn't realize how much it had been affecting me my whole life, my self-esteem and, um, you know, why I had always felt so bad. I'm like, why, <laughs> what is going on? And anyway, um, Facing that for the first time was really hard. Bringing it all back up. And I just remember like breaking down and crying because it's like finally facing the darkness from the past. And I mean, with him being gone, the postpartum depression, trying to face things like I don't know why it had to come forward at that time, but for some reason it did. And it was so heavy. But I was able to get help that I needed for a long time. 
and get therapy and finally face it because you can't pretend it never happened. You can't mask it. You can't, I don't know, it's just going to not go away unless you face it. And that's hard. It's really hard to face it, but I have never felt lighter. Like I feel this huge weight off my shoulders and I didn't realize how much it affected me my whole life. Um, and even though it was so hard during it, it was a huge blessing to get through that. Yeah. And so, um, and so we were working through that together. And at the time, our business, this business that we put into was like, it was, I should have seen now, like hindsight's always twenty twenty. I should have just been like, this is going to crash and burn. I'm out. Yeah. You know what I mean? I should just cut my losses, but we had put so much money into it and we had, we had put like, we'd taken this huge risk and then like kind of gotten our feet cut off right at the beginning, tripped at the, stripped at the starting line. Right. And so I was trying to turn it around. I was trying to, you know, these relationships and especially with sales, like it's very emotional. And if you're not managing those emotions really well, it can go negative really quickly. And I mean, I've been working with sales reps for like, I've worked with hundreds of sales reps. And so I knew what was happening. I was trying to turn it around, but I wasn't there physically all the time. Right. I could only be there a couple of days a week. And so, um, our business started to just drop and it was like, and then all of a sudden like this debt just started to pile up where it's like, Hey, in order for us to get profits, we have to get sales to here. And then here now it's a hundred thousand dollars. Now it's this much. And it's like, okay, how do we do this? And I'm trying to deal with like death and with all of this stuff. And I'm getting these panic attacks and I'm, and I've never had that before in my life. Like, um, I try to be like a very disciplined, like strong person. And I just was feeling so weak at the time, you know? And so over the next really by December, we were, uh, we hadn't been paid. We hadn't had a paycheck now in six months and our savings are completely gone and we're like going deep into debt. And it's like, we've got it. We've just never faced that type of financial burden before. And that in itself is such a strain, you know, financial stress and everything going on. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah I, that by itself is hard. And then when you're also trying to grieve and you're also trying to be a mom and mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And so, so when I was, when I would be home, I would just go to the gym. Like once everyone was asleep, Natalie would go to sleep at about 11 o'clock. I would leave the house. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to fall asleep. I might as well go get something done. So I would go to the gym and I would work out and I'm not that big of a guy. I'm, I'm five foot eight, but I was starting to like put on quite a bit of weight. Like I would just I was still eating okay, healthy, but I was just, for the first time in my life, like I was starting to get like big, like it wasn't necessarily healthy, like, especially for my body type. You mean big muscular, big muscular. Yeah. Like I was, my shirt stopped fitting. Like I, I just, it was a weird thing, you know? And, but I would, that was the only thing that would make me feel better is I would go and I would lift weights for an hour and a half and I would lift until literally I was shaking. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm done now. Um, and then once I had beat myself, basically beat myself up physically to that point. Then I would go in the sauna and I, I'll never forget this because I did this every night for like two months. I would take a towel with me into the sauna. I'd put the towel over my head and start sweating. And then I would just cry for like a half hour. 
And then I would take my towel back off. I'd walk out. I'd go home and I'd fall asleep. And, you know, I was just trying to find a, because I, I had so many other things. Like I knew that there was other negative ways I could take out this anger and this frustration and this feeling like the world's out to get me. Like I'm like, there's, it was the only way I could think of to get that, those feelings out. I and, was about to say, I feel like to give yourself more credit, there's a lot of other vices that you could have chosen. Well, as any vice, like yeah. to numb yourself is not good, but the gym is probably one of the better ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, I mean, you can obviously abuse it, yeah. but you know, there's lots of other vices that are way worse, that yeah. are way more addictive. So, I mean, you can give yourself credit for well, that. At least, it was yeah. Like, yeah. at least you looked good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was kind of funny. Like Natalie's like, how big do you want to get? I'm like, She's I don't like, know if I get, concerned. I, yeah, I'm like, I don't know if like, if I got my arms up to like 17 inches, that would be great. Like, and she's like, Hey, let's measure. And I was like 17.2. I was like, Oh, goal achieved, <laughs> you know? Um, but, but it was getting, it was getting dangerous. Like I would, I would go and squat. Cause I, at the time I was weighing, like I weighed, uh, people, it doesn't matter, but <laughs> I was, I was just gaining weight quickly. I gained like 20 pounds over like three and a wow. half months. Um, and I was squatting 400 pounds. Like I would just put it on and squat and, and I didn't want to spotter and I would lift weights and I would lift it to the point where I was like shaking, like trying to get it up and I would barely get it up every time, but I would kept testing the limits without any safety. Um, and so that's where it really wasn't very, very healthy. And Safe. yeah. And, and I remember one night I got home I went to sleep probably about one o'clock in the morning and I'd have to wake up early because Texas is an hour different from Utah. And so I'd have to wake up a little bit earlier to get working. And so I wasn't sleeping very much. And I still remember this. I got home, I went to sleep and then both of our girls woke up at the same time screaming at like Just it chaos. Was, yeah. Chaos. It was like four in the morning and it's like so a I, newborn and then a toddler that's transitioning to a toddler bed. Like we have live uh, in a tiny 1950s house. So there's, it was just, you hear everything like mm -hmm. in the house. So it's like, if one wakes up, the other one wakes up. Yeah. And it was just, we're so tired. It was just chaotic and trying to keep our cool. Yeah. And trying to, and I, I didn't realize like how much anger I had. Like I was getting it out at the gym, but like that was a band aid, mm -hmm. Right. And I went in there and normally like I sing to her and I'll play with her for a little bit and she calms down really quick and I can get her to go right back to bed. But she was not having it. And she was just screaming and I'm like trying to calm her down. Natalie's in the front room with our newborn and I'm trying to calm our toddler down. And I start feeling that like shaking coming back and like I'm starting to get angry and I'm like, I can't be here. So I'm like, she's not going to die. So I just put her back in her bed and she's screaming and I just shut the door and I go and put on my shoes and Natalie's like, where are you going? I'm like, I have to go. That's like all I could say. Um, and so I get out, I go out, get out of the house. I start walking down the road and we live next to a busy street. I can't imagine how crazy I would look at this point, but, um, I was walking down the street, street, just screaming at God. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, do you enjoy this? Is this fun for you? You like doing this to me? And I start like, just, I start, everything starts like bubbling up and coming out. And I start just, I just go ham. I go crazy. And as soon as I'm done, you know, throwing my tissy fit, right? Uh, I turn around to go back home. And this message just hits me like a ton of bricks. 
I got two. I feel like I got two of them. The first was you need to start connecting or you're going to die. And the second one was it, it, it reminded me of this poem that I'd written months before. It's not about where you're planted, Dave. It's about how you grow. And so I started doing two things. I, for the first time, we kind of become hermits and Same. just like, just busy within our own lives, you know? And I was like, I need to start connecting with other people. And if I would have known that I could have a group of, a band of brothers around me, not just like my own brothers, but like actual friends that are helping me rather than making me like, they're like, dude, you should write that. You should do this. You should try. You should put it out there rather than having people who hold me back. And that made such a huge difference. And then it was accepting that you're in a really crappy situation and you need to find out why you're there. If you're in a lot of pain, there is a reason. Find out what the reason is. And, uh, and that's where, that's, that was in December, and that's kind of where the idea of this book that we have on Kickstarter right now, that's kind of where it started. And, uh, you know, I feel like these trials, they can either, as a couple, like tear you apart or bring you closer. And I feel like that's been a huge blessing. Me and Dave have been able to really get a lot closer through all this. Like, especially when I was facing things from my past, like he was such a big support to me and we were able to lean on each other and you know, I feel like he was my protector, protector I never had. And, um, going through those hard times, we were able to just connect. And as we started the new year, we're like, okay, it's a fresh start. Here we go. We went on a little trip. It's always hard as a mom, like leaving your kids. And it was just for a few days. And our little baby just had a little cold as we left and we get home and she's, she was really sick. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take her to the doctors in the morning, it's all good. And I took her to the doctor and they're like, oh, she has a ear infection. I'm like, great, she's on antibiotics. And then that night, I mean, she was just, she looked miserable. And um, we never co-sleep with our children or she usually like slept in her little baby bed. And that night I just felt like I needed to sleep next to her. And so I like pushed our couches together and um, slept next to her and... I'm so glad I did because I was just watching her as she was sleeping and her breathing was really shallow and rapid. And I was like, something's wrong. But I had never been to the emergency room before. <laughs> like, what do I do? Like, am I like overreacting? Like, am I being dramatic? She has an ear infection, or whatever. But I'm like, I just felt like I needed to take her in that mom intuition. And so it was the middle of the night and I took her into the hospital and they gave her an x-ray and turns out she had pneumonia in her right lung. Pneumonia can kill babies like very easily. It's very Wait, serious. this was your your Brett, baby. Our baby. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about your toddler. No, this is our Well, I mean, either way. Yeah, yeah they're both young. So, but the younger they are, you know, the more yeah. serious it can be and um my grandpa had a brother die of pneumonia when he was 6 months old and you know, if we would have lived at a different time, we would have lost her. And um, the hospital she was that I took her to the emergency room at, they uh, didn't have a pediatric unit, so they had to take her by ambulance to another hospital. And then she was admitted for the hospital for a few days. And 
again, our life went on pause, focusing on our little family and our little baby and facing like, we could lose her, you know? (laughs) And it was just another thing added on. And as a parent, seeing your child hooked up to the machines, you know, your life just goes on pause. But we just take one day at a time. And long story short, she's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I thought it was interesting. So our business is at this point, we were like, okay, you know, I had negotiated a few things so we could still get a paycheck. This is like the end of December. And I'm like, hey, maybe I'll stay here. And, you know, we were thinking about it. And I still remember though, I, I went in and Natalie had finally gone home to get some sleep. And so at this point, we're like seven months after my brother went missing or six months six months after. And I, um, Natalie had gone home and I was holding my, my daughter. And I was thinking about like, I could lose her right now. And I have been gone her first six months of life trying to provide. Right. But I haven't been here. And then I thought more about it. And I'm like the guys I'm surrounded by, because I just had this experience about connecting like the guys I'm surrounded by right now. Wouldn't bat an eye if I left like, I'm quitting right now. So I called my boss and I said, hey, this is my two weeks. I come out. I'm not going to work with you guys anymore. While we were in the hospital. Yeah, while we were in the hospital. Because <laughs> oh it gosh. just, I just knew that if, because they would, they would rather of me not spend time with my family. You know, and it was just mm-hmm. a lot of like my values, like all of a sudden became clear. Where up to that point it was, hey, you know, kind of keeping up with the Joneses, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So it was it was in that moment though that we just decided to leave. And now we're at rock bottom. Like where can we go? <laughs> and like Dave said, uh, this poem that he'd written um, really helped us. I remember we were talking and we're like, what what can we do? How we have a choice right now. We can either become bitter about everything that's going wrong. Like, is this real life? Why? Why is everything going wrong? There has to be a reason. So you can either become bitter from those trials in your life or better. And it's just the change of one little letter, right? And it really is a choice. And we thought to ourselves, how can we move forward? One second, guys. Why is this so... Do you guys hear this? Okay, sorry guys. That's okay. No problem. <laughs> At the most suspenseful part, we're going to take a break really fast. We'll be okay. right back. Okay, so we're just going to hop back into it. Thanks for okay. sticking around for the break. But anyways, we, me and JC have not said a word because we're so like into the story and you guys are such good storytellers. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, well, thank you. Well, first of all, you mentioned the poem. So you wrote the poem, Dave, um, before anything happened with your brother or yeah. a while? Yeah, I wrote it... Uh, I just wrote it one night. So I woke up. I had this weird thing with 1134 for a while where I kept, like, things kept coming to me at that exact time. It freaked me out, actually, for a little bit. I'm like, why does that keep happening? Inspiration. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, in the morning and at night, like 1134. I don't know why it was that time, but it was that same time. And I just, I had this thought. um, This was in 2016, so it was before everything started, that they, you know, it's just that one that I, I told you guys, I was just sitting there and, and we spent so much time in the mountains. And, um, I think I had actually gone up to, there's a lake in Utah called Pittsburgh Lake. And there's a tree there that's, it's actually, most of them are extinct now, but it's, a, it's like around 2,500 years old. Wow. 
Wow. And it's growing out of the rocks. Like there's no other, there's these little teeny pine trees around it. And then there's this massive tree. Oh my God. Um, it's really, really cool. It's one of, yeah, I mean, it's as old as the redwoods, you know? And I think I had gone on a camping trip up there recently. I think that's kind of where it started. And I just loved how I grew out of the rocks. And it was this, that's actually the old tree is based off of, I took a, I took a bunch of pictures of this. Yeah. The old tree in the story is that tree, which is kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah, so that and so I'd written that poem and then I thought it was really cool and then into the notes it went along with What was the thought that you had? Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Um the thought that I had had was that trees don't think about how tall they should grow. They just grow as tall as they can. Like they don't think like, "Ah, oh, I wish there wasn't this big boulder underneath me. This is so annoying like I'm trying to get my roots down." Like they just they just push and they keep going and they get their roots as deep as they can and they grow as tall as they possibly can and they reach out. And, and so with that thought and, and that one just hit me. And so I sat up and like Natalie, you know, Natalie knows when I do this, I, I usually turn off my computer screen cause I don't want to wake her up. So it's just dark in our room. And if he ever gets this like spurts of inspiration, like an idea or something, he'll just take out his laptop, turn off the screen and just like type. <laughs> he's like, his eyes are closed. And he's just like, <laughs> click, 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 <laughs> yeah. click, click. And he like did that. And <laughs> yeah. And I always like typing whenever I'm doing something creative because I've just found that it helps me flow better. Because when I'm writing with my hand, I'm like, oh, I'm trying to remember everything mm-hmm. while I'm writing. But with typing, I can type a lot faster. And so I typed out this poem. And I literally didn't read it at all. I just finished typing it out. I shut my laptop, put it down, went to sleep. Woke up the next morning and read it. Um, and that's what turned into our book. That was like the start of it. And I made some changes, just pacing changes within it. But it's pretty much, it's almost word for word exactly what I wrote. Um, but that whole message is like when I was saying, okay, we're at rock bottom, that message kept coming back to us of this poem that he'd written and it really pulled us through. Yeah. And we're like, we need to do something with this. Yeah. And that's, that's when we just realized other people have to be going through the same thing. You know, when they're in the middle of this hard thing, they're in the middle of pain. What do you do? You know, and and for me as a parent, I would go and read these children's books to our daughters and they would be beautifully illustrated. But then it's like, here's a bus or, you know, it didn't, it didn't have a message. And so I, I just thought for me as a parent, I'm like, not only I want, I want to be able to tell my girls true messages that like a, a life truth. And if I could read that every night, that would help me too. And so that's when we started working on our book. Uh, we found an illustrator uh, and started working with her and started, you know, getting this illustrated, started building out like exactly how many pages it's going to be and what we're going to do. And then the more we thought about it, the more ideas we had, hey, you know, why don't we try printing it on non-tree paper or recycled paper so we're not cutting down trees to tell a story about a tree. That doesn't really make sense. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we reached out, Natalie reached out to Arbor Day Foundation, and we ended up working out a partnership with them. And it was all this cool stuff was happening. Where with, we'd be able to plant trees with the books. Yeah, so every book sold um, on our Kickstarter right now, every book sold, a tree is planted. And all these things started started kind of coming together, and it was really, really cool. Um, and we worked on it all the way, all the way up until July. Well, and 
Yeah, it turned yeah. into this whole year project, and we're like, hey, we want to launch this on the anniversary date of when Dave's brother went missing, because that was such a dark day for our whole family. We want to do something to honor him because he was such an inspiration for this and also something to give new meaning to that day. Yeah, to take that day from just a dark, hard day to maybe a bittersweet. Maybe you could have both. New new hope. And so that day was really significant to us. And so it's not like, oh, let's just launch it on whatever day. We're like, no, we need to launch it on this day for us. Yeah. So we picked July 27th to launch it, and this was in June. And we're at the very end of June, and we were working with our illustrator, and then radio silence for three weeks, all of June. We're like, hey, where are you? You know, what's going on? We've called you. We've left you messages. And the deadline's creeping up. And the deadline's creeping up, and and we've worked out, you know, we just signed paperwork with Arbor Day, like, and I'm trying to line up, you know, so we can work with elementary schools. Like, what's going on here, you know? Um, and we just didn't hear anything, nothing, nothing. And then we got an email three days before the project was supposed to be done that our illustrator was dropping everything and she was taking all of her illustrations back and she was done. Did she have a reason? She didn't give us really any good reasons. Um, well, she had, um, I think struggling with a lot of anxiety and I don't know. Just, that's just what we can infer. Just right? hold back, just couldn't handle it. Yeah. yeah. But like wouldn't even take it on. Like I'm going to school. I, I couldn't even focus on it for two years. It doesn't matter how much money you'd give me. Like, yeah, we it offered turned her into, quite a bit. <laughs> it turned into like an emotional decision. And we're just like, you know, trying to be understanding. But at the same time, like this has so much significance. Like it's just not a book. Like it's mm-hmm. so much more to us. And I broke down and this is kind of embarrassing, but I turned to social media and I'm just sobbing on social media. And I'm like, we need help. We need a new illustrator. Um, basically you have to start from scratch and a whole half year's work is turned down to a couple weeks. And you know, it's insane. I would be so mad. Yeah. <laughs> really fast. Can I interject and ask at what point did you decide to, turn the poem into a children's book? Like, when did that yeah. idea spark? So that was uh, that was earlier in the year. That's that's That was, like, probably around January is when I thought that. I'm like, I think that this... Because it could just be a poem, right? Or we could do... But I'm like, I, I don't want just grown-ups to read this. I want, like, if, I, if, if it was my daughter, I would want her to read this. And she's not going to read it unless it's beautiful and it has, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so children's book was the only thing that made sense. Yeah, yeah. and parents read the book to their kids. Yeah, so they because we were it. already reading to our kids all the time. So that's why we were thinking about books. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot of the children's books we were reading, I the illustrations were beautiful, but I didn't feel anything about, like there's yeah. a few. There's a few out there that you're like, this, book, this children's book's awesome. But for the most part, it seemed kind of like fluff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what if you could, what if, you know, you've got these parents that just had a really hard day and they're trying to be a good parent and they go in and their kid's like, read me a book. What if we could affect that parent in that moment? Because um, one thing that I'm, uh, me and Natalie are both super interested in, a lot of times we think like, especially with people looking at your life, right? They think they see what on social media, the vacations, the the big awesome the highlight moments, reel. highlight reel. But your life is not those big moments. And as a parent, you don't parent when you're at their games, 
or when you're at the big event or on vacations, that's not where life happens. It's in the 15 minutes that you have with them at night. It's in the the way that they wake up in the morning. Like if you can get... The way you greet your children, you know, yeah. the little things throughout the day, that makes up your life. Yeah. And it's funny, like I've, I've talked to guys and I'm like, hey, what's your morning routine? And they're like, I just get up and I just do this and they don't really have a plan. And it's like, hey, that's that's fine, but that's your life. Like it's not the planning for the vacation. It's how do you wake up? What do you do when you do that? Those little teeny moments. And so long story short, I started calculating like, okay, that 15 minutes a night, let's say that you read to your kid every night for 10 years, 15 minutes. That's six months of work at a professional job. That's like, and that's, and it's those moments. That's when your kids learn. That's how they feel about themselves. It's not on vacation. It's not the big events. It's not when you show up for the ballet recital. It's, how do they feel every time you see them? I think I think dogs are a perfect example. I know this is random, but... No, we love dogs. So. <laughs> yeah. Dogs do one thing perfectly. Just one. And we spend money on them. We buy them a bunch of stuff. But they do one thing perfectly every single time, no matter what. They greet us perfectly. Even if you were gone for five minutes, how does your dog react when oh, he comes yeah. to the door? Right? Exactly. Like, think, I literally take the trash out. My dog's like, you've been gone forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited yeah. to see you. And we, why I have a dog, I think. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> it's because they greet us correctly. And you think about that. That's what, one minute, right? But it's all throughout the day. That's why we love our pets. That's Anyway, that's, that's kind of a random analogy, but it's the best one I can think of. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, we got really concerned with, okay, how are we spending this time when I'm reading this children's book? Is it actually helping my child? Like, is it making a difference for me and them? And can I make them going to bed a really wonderful experience rather than trying to arm wrestle them into into bed, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of where it came from. It came from a lot of different angles, but that's kind of the thought that I had. It just kind of all came together and clicked. Yeah. And I don't know if we're going to do it right now. Maybe we will, but... uh, we would actually, we've never read the full story out on social media, all the like the promotions, all the different stuff we've mm-hmm. done. We've never read it all the way. Um, we do, we are going to read it on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. we are lucky. We're honored. Yeah, yeah, you can read it if you want to right yeah. now or whenever. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. I'll let Natalie go first. and then I'll Okay, read. I just wanted to um, share the good news. We did find a new illustrator. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just left at like the worst part. <laughs> like, so the, the, it's blank, it's just yeah. words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Left you hanging. We did, um, you know, people really stood up after my sobbing post, and we got like over 50 portfolios. And Amazing illustrators. Wow. Like, there's yeah. so much talent out there, and... Um, you know, we were led to our new illustrator and she's been awesome cranking it out, you know, taking on social media is so positive. That's the positive Mm -hmm. part that people have to appreciate as well. Totally. I mean, I think with social media, once again, it comes down to how you want to be a message on there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of negative on social media for sure. It's definitely a window into who we are, right? But I think it can also be a window to bringing up the positive. That's why I, I love that about your podcast as well. I'm oh, glad that we're here you. talking about it. Yeah, yeah thank you. So, um, yeah, we did find an illustrator. She's amazing. She's been cranking it out. She got sick. As soon as we hired her, she was sick for a week. She had the flu. And she's like, <laughs> you're like, shocker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the still the resistance because she's like, this is so weird. I haven't been sick in forever. And she just randomly got sick, and oh then her computer crashed. Yeah. After she had already done the whole outline of the book, <laughs> yeah. and like everything went wrong, and we're like, 
okay, well, we'll we're figure like, it well, out. We're not stopping. Like yeah. at this point, it's like, bring it on. It doesn't You're matter like, anymore. That's nothing compared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah. So, and, and, um, and so that's kind of what led us up to this point. We just recognize that everyone's going through this, you know, and, and everyone faces, thinks, yeah, faces these hard times and it's in those moments that we get to learn. And, and so that's really where this idea, this, this book is called grow. Uh, and it's a story about a little tree that's learning this for the first time. He's been through some hard things and had some trials and had some hard things happen. And he gets to talk to somebody who this, this old tree in the book who kind of imparts his knowledge on what life is really about. And I'll read it to you. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. A seed dropped in the ground and permitted to grow. Its roots sprout like little fingers and toes. Deep in the soil, the roots wriggle and reach. Then new branches stretch with beautiful leaves. Now those first years were tough. Some were cold, hard, and sad. The little tree had scars and some were quite bad. On the days that were dire, it listened to the wind. Its thoughts, its desires on the air it did send. The wind spoke of open space and beaches filled with soft ground, a place where food was plenty and weather perfectly sound. So the little tree asked the old ones all withered and grand, how much wouldn't you like to live by the sand? Not I, nor I, nor none of us all, for it is this tough ground and hard rocks that permit us to grow tall. That doesn't make sense, said the once little seed. I wish I had a life filled with nothing but ease. No more strife, no more wind, no more snow-covered winters. Often this big forest I feel like only a splinter. The old trees all sigh and shift in the wind. They creak, they crack, they twist, they bend. Then the oldest tree in the forest bellows and yawns in the breeze. Oh, young one, you don't want a life filled with ease. It's the wind that makes our bark grow thick. The snow that forges us, that's the trick. The thunder and lightning playing a terrible song, not the soft soil for which our roots long. The boulders that crack us to truly reach, not some life staring blankly at a beach. I remember when I was a sapling like thee, wishing for sands and a comforting breeze. Those things are nice, don't get me wrong, but these things will not make you grow strong. And then he asked a question the tree did not expect. How tall should every tree try to get? As tall as the others, chirped the little young tree. Tall enough to see the mysterious canopy? No, little one, let yourself dream bigger. The stars are your target and hope is the trigger. And then he declared a truth as timeless as the breeze, as wide as the earth and as deep as the seas. A tree should grow as tall as it can possibly be. I love it so much. I know, I'm obsessed with it. I don't even have kids, but I'm going to get it. <laughs> read it to, to Leif. Yeah, I'm going to read it to my dog and Leif every night. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Oh my gosh. No, well, I my would. mom is a fifth grade teacher, and I know she's going to love that book because she um, like reads all of the good books to her kids at the beginning. Well, actually, I think she's a seventh grade teacher now, but honestly, they need it more than yeah. fifth graders. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Puberty is not nice. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and one thing that we're really excited about is there's a story within the illustrations, <clears throat> the way that we, we really thought this book out. Like, you know, when you go to the Kickstarter, you'll see some of those images. And there's a story within the illustrations. There's going to be a lot of little Easter eggs. Like when you're reading the book, we've hidden a lot of things within there. But uh, one thing that you can notice, at least I'm, I'm guessing, right, parents are going to be the ones listening to this. Um, the, notice the lighting throughout the book. 
it's going to go from morning until night. And then I guess I'm not going to give it away, but on the last page when it says a tree should grow as tall as it can possibly be, look in the stars and you'll see something there. We hid something in there uh, that's really cool. And so, Ooh, I'm excited. Um, yeah. yeah, check that out. <laughs> It'll be cool. So That's so cool. That's awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about Kickstarter and how <laughs> it works? Because I was a little bit unfamiliar with it. So I just want everyone to know how they can get the book and stuff. Yeah, so... Kickstarter is um, basically an online fundraiser to get a creative project going, um, to get people to back your project, to support the idea, um, and help a project become a reality. And so really, you can't do it alone. You need others to help you. And so we put our uh, book on Kickstarter where you can get pre-orders for the book. And there's different packages that you can back uh, and choose to support a project. And we launched, we made it happen. <laughs> we made it launch on July 27th in honor of Dave's brother, which was, you know, huge for us. And we feel yeah, very grateful we were able to pull it together. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was surprising that we were able to do it. I mean, we had, we had an amazing videographer that came because you have to have a video and you have to have mm-hmm. all these things ready and yeah, we pulled it. We pulled it off uh, yeah. with uh, all the. I mean, there was. We could probably talk through this whole podcast just on all of the things <laughs> that we ran into trying to get it done. But we're really excited about it. and We're really proud of it. And honestly, we feel like it's not. Uh, it's not just a children's book. It's a story about us and what we've been through and what we learned. Because every single person, no matter where you're at in your life right now, you will face a time that you you won't be able to believe that you could be in so much pain. And that is going to happen. Like that's, it's not like, you know, I'm all about being positive. I'm a very positive person, but like that will happen to you in your life sometime. And when you're in the middle of that, no matter how dark it is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is like, it will get easier. Along with that, um, this too shall pass. Like there is light and not only easier, but you become stronger. There's always going to be, chaotic crazy times but those hard times are what make you stronger and make you who you are today and it's finding that light within those dark times yeah there there was a post i did i found this beautiful little piece of art um on uh on instagram and i reposted it it's a drawing of two wolves and there's this little baby like cute little baby wolf and it has an arrow in it and it's like laying down and it can't move and it said the old me, and then it showed a big like wolf looking at the little wolf, and it's covered in arrows, and it's standing over it, and it's like, and it's like the new me. Mm -hmm. Life does not get easier. You become stronger, and... When I'm getting sad thinking about a wolf and an arrow in it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But I just, I just... Just the analogy. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. Yeah, no, that's really powerful. Yeah, and I just always love that analogy. I mean, I'm... Me personally, I just, I love reading history. I love studying. It's always amazing when you see people that they have every right to be a victim and to say that they're having a hard time. And they are for sure. But it's those that, that's your catalyst. Like that's, that's the wind that makes your bark grow thick. Like that's the lightning that shocks you and hurts you, but then you can stand up. And One thing that I think is really important, at least this was one lesson that we learned, was when times get hard, you don't think 
too far out anymore. Like when times are going great, when you're on the straightaway and you're feeling great, like you can dream out 10 years, right? But when you're in the middle of a crisis, you need to shut all of that off. And if you need to get all the way down to, I'm going to make it the next 10 minutes, right? Um, I'm going to make it 10 more minutes and then I'm going to move, you know, go from, from there. there. Yeah. One step at a time. Um, so do you have, I don't know. I mean, I personally have never lost a loved one that's super close to me. So I'm unfamiliar, I guess, with that situation. Do you have any advice or like now you, it's been about a year and I'm sure you still struggle with it. Do you have any, I don't know, any sort of advice or anything that looking back, yeah, looking back, tell mm-hmm. yourself at that time, I guess. Yeah. If, if you know somebody who's going through, I guess I'll start there and then I'll kind of talk about personally what you do. Um, if you know someone who's going through a hard time, let me explain it this way. If you've ever driven on a motorcycle, right? On the street, not like in the dirt, like on the street. Um, me and Natalie used to drive our motorcycle. I had a motorcycle. I had two of them and we drove them all the time and she'd ride on my back. And we had at the beginning, I had to kind of explain to her, Hey, when we're going through the turns, you have to lean with me. I can't lean against her. I can't lean against like, if you've ever been on one or driving, if someone leans the opposite Mm -hmm. way, you like literally almost die. (laughs) It's it's really dangerous. I've only been on a motorcycle once and I was terrified the entire time. Yeah. And so you have to lean with them. And, and when you're on the straightaways, it's great. Right. But then I think of those times in your lives as a turn. And so if your if your spouse, you know, wife, husband, friend, if they're quiet, be quiet. With them. If they're talking, listen. You flow with them. Whatever, the, like, however they're going to process it, because every person's different, you just do whatever they're doing. You follow them. And so um, I've noticed, I've, I've seen this happen in the past where people are like, you need to talk about this. And like, maybe they don't. Maybe you just need to sit with them. You know, maybe, maybe like I was so grateful. I had one friend, um, we actually went on a winter camp out and that's all he did. We just went, we didn't talk about like all the hard stuff we were going through. He's like, dude, let's go camping. I'm like, I'm in, let's go. And we went out for a winter camp and that's all we did the whole time. You know, when I talked, he just listened and it makes a big difference. So that's, that's one thing that I think for those, if you're seeing someone who's going through a hard time. I was just going to say, it's part of processing it is accepting those hard times, you know, not pretending they didn't happen or think, okay, I'm just super positive about this, but it's um, taking that time to process it and accept it. And really all you can do is take one day at a time. Yeah. Well, and you can't force someone to accept something either. No. A lot of times, like if I've, even when my husband goes through something, I'm like, I just want to fix it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, it's fine. Like, we just got to accept this and move on and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you have to wait for them to want to accept it. Like, that you Process can't put that on them. Yeah. Well, so and, I like that. And I'm all about being positive, right? Um, but I think that sometimes people just need to be negative before. Like, y- mm-hmm. you have to have the contrast. You have to have darkness in order to see the light. You have to have, you have to see it. Um, and sometimes they just have to be in the dark for a while. Once they're ready, they'll accept it and they'll move on. Um, so I think that's, that's really, really important. And for those, if you're going through, if you've lost a loved one and you're in the middle of it, uh, 
just breathe. Just breathe. And don't don't make any decisions in that time that could change your life. Just breathe and wait. And I know it's dark and I know it's hard. But the light is coming. And Sometimes that's all you can hold on to because you can't believe how bad it hurts. I remember I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that I could hurt so bad because I had someone who was so strong and so loving and he was one of the few people in my life that would just listen to me and to have him taken away in such a dramatic and difficult fashion at such a young age. At such a young age. Um, that's all I could do. And that's okay. If all you can do is just, hey man, like I can I can make I can do these three things. Don't like I remember uh we're in a very like like religiously active community and I just couldn't face people for a while. I'm like, I can't like go try to put on a smile. That's okay. And if it takes you a year Two years, five years to process something and to really start to move forward, that's okay. And then the other thing I would say is, is you know, whether it's a coach or a therapist or whoever it is, I would say get someone to help you. I think that's really yeah, good that's advice. Really I mean, Chelsea had mentioned that she had an uncle pass away and... I don't know. I'll just let you say because I don't. Oh well, yeah. Well, I was super young, so it again. I don't have anyone that I know super well that has passed away. I've had like acquaintances, but my dad's baby brother was. Um, I think he was twenty four, twenty five, um, like newly married. So it was like a similar situation where it was really unexpected. And my dad, I was probably in third grade, and I think there's like a sixteen year difference between my dad and him. But I just remember going through that, and obviously it didn't affect. I was sad because I saw my dad sad and um, it's the same thing of just, he was saying it just changes your entire life from that moment. It's just, um, we just had a family reunion and so um, his daughter was there with us. His like, she's a teenager now. She didn't really get to know her dad. And so um, we kind of all just like went around and uh, all the parents went around and kind of said what they remembered about my uncle Dave and they were going around and my dad just said like after that my every single sibling was like my life completely changed it was like this is life this is no longer this like just easy roller coaster you know or it's just not this easy you know ride you have to do stuff and my dad's like that's when I started to realize like what's important like this is my family, like I started to put, kind of like what you said, where all of a sudden he was like, I don't need a job that makes me a ton of money. Like I need to be home for my kids. And I always remember my dad after that, always making time to like be home. And he would have like tea parties with us on Sundays. And like, just, he was always home. Like when we would go home after school and he was always at like our dance recitals and all that stuff. Like just, he was just there for us. So I understand like that well I don't personally I've never been through that but I understand because I've seen my dad kind of go through a similar thing where it's like his baby brother you know and it's like so unexpected and it's just a shock it's shocking but anyways <laughs> I'm just silently bawling like red <laughs> face have, like, like you're snot. talking so eloquently and as soon as I start crying I sound 
awful. <laughs> awesome. I didn't bring any tissues. I know. I should have brought some tissues. I'm sweating. Cry. <laughs> Great well, combo. Well, yeah. is there anything else? I mean, we're so grateful that you guys were able to come on and yeah. tell your story. I feel super inspired. So I know that people at home are going to feel really inspired hearing the story. And I think it's so awesome that you guys have created something to give new meaning and to just honor your brother and that you guys have just honestly handled all these trials with such grace. I'm sure at the time, maybe it's not so graceful, but we really appreciate you guys being here. And is there anything else that you want to say? Yeah. So our whole project, I kind of mentioned it before, but with the Kickstarter, uh, with every book sold, a tree is planted. Um, we've partnered with Arbor Day Foundation. And so not only when you pledge the project, um, you get a book, you can know that a tree will be planted too and that you're helping fight deforestation and help the environment. And our book is also printed on tree-free paper. So, you know, you're being uh, environmentally yeah. conscious. Yeah, you're, yes. not, you're not cutting Yay. down any trees. And, <laughs> and really, the we've always... We just love the mountains. We love spending time in the outdoors. Uh, that's really where all of our free time goes to. I don't even know how many hikes our little ones have been on <laughs> with us. Um, and at the end of the day, like we want to leave this planet better than, than better than the way we found it. Um, and I think that we can really do that. And so that's one big thing to know. Uh, we also are. This book is a part of it's dedicated uh to my brother and to his little daughter and their family and and uh and so you'll see that there's a little dedication page and just a little blurb there and if you want to know more you know of course you'll you can check out our story but oh yeah so give us like your information so what is your instagram what's your kickstarter we'll obviously post it on our if you guys are following our insta or what we said podcast instagram for everyone listening we'll have all the information there too after this podcast gets released but yeah, so um, with Kickstarter, you have a funding goal, and so our Kickstarter is up till the end of August, so we have the end of August to make our goal, and so we need your help getting the word out. Like, we can't do it without people spreading the word to back our project, because with Kickstarter, if you don't reach your goal, no one gets charged. No one gets their book. Um, it just, like, won't go through, and so, yeah, we just need your help. Um, if you can't pledge to the book, like... If you want to, if the message rings true to you, like just share it, you know, share it on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, and please, plan- when you do share it, tell your friends to share it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and our handle for our book is just grow.thebook. And you can find that on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, it's super easy just to hit the share button, um, write a little blurb. Um, we have our video up on that page. And so it's really easy to share the uh, the video and that has the Kickstarter link. You can find the Kickstarter link um, just in the bio on Instagram or on Facebook as the shop now button. Also on our personal Instagrams, uh, mine is natalie.swenson and Dave's is dave.swenson um, is how you can find us on Instagram. And is Swenson E-N or O-N? O-N. O-N. Okay. Yeah, so S-W-E-N. S-O-N. <laughs> Forgot real quick. <laughs> yeah. Just had to double check. <laughs> I want you guys to get to like 50,000 literally tomorrow. I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Let's get all those like, trees guys, Empty your savings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> literally. <laughs> no, that's really awesome. Um, well, we appreciate it. Seriously, yeah, so seriously, much. thanks so well, much. Well, thank you on. so much for letting us come. Yeah. And yeah. it's been awesome. It's yeah. been so cool being here. 
Yeah. Oh, thanks. Okay. So for every um, guest that we have on, we're starting a new tradition where you guys say our outro with us. So the outro is, and that's what we said. Okay. It's really hard. It's really hard. Just remember that. Okay. But anyways, for all you guys listening at home, thanks so much for listening. Um, Find their Kickstarter. You guys can follow them on Instagram. We'll have all the info. And for us... I'm like ready for the outro. (laughs) (laughs) Just counting down. And like we mentioned, our Instagram is at what we said podcast. So, and we have um, our website as well, what we said podcast.com. So, if you guys want to find us, you can find us there. But thanks so much for listening. We love you guys. And that's, that's what, what we said. said.